This is the E of real estate. I'm uh, Renee Stevens, your host, and my guest today is Michael Tellinger from South Africa. Michael is a uh, researcher, scientist, explorer, activist, humanitarian, public speaker, and author of six books. He has a bachelor's degree in pharmacy at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. And uh, his nickname is the real life Indiana Jones for making groundbreaking discoveries about Finnish techno technological advanced civilizations at the southern tip of the African continent. His findings force us to rethink uh, our origin and rewrite our history books. He discovered more than 10 million, so that's 10 with six zeros, uh, stone ruins that are not dwellings, but energy generating devices, as he probably will explain during our interview. And they are scattered in an area of about 450,000 uh, square kilometers. He has uh, been delivering the proof of the tools and artifacts that support his scientific findings, that this uh, civilization had a sharp knowledge of the laws of nature and the generation of free energy from Mother Earth for all their needs. Uh, they use the power of sound and frequency as a source of energy. Besides his research and exploration of the ruins, uh, Michael Foundant and runs a uh, Stone Circle Museum and a Stone Circle Lodge in Waterfall Boven in the province of uh, Mupu Malanga, South Africa. He uh, organizes tours to special places off the beaten track, uh, seminars and educational workshops. And last but certainly not least, Michael is the founder of the global Ubuntu liberation movement of uh, higher consciousness with members in over 200 countries. Creating a new social structure for humanity, free from economic and financial enslavement. He developed the one small town can change the world strategy a simple plan of action to unite people of small towns with its own supply of electricity and a cooperative effort to create abundance for all. Michael has toured the world, sharing his research and the message of Ubuntu, and has done countless presentations in over 20 countries, 300 cities in the last uh, 15 years. Well, Michael has quite an impressive achievement so far. Um, so. Thank you for making time for this podcast out of your uh, busy schedule. Um, in my preparing preparation for this uh, interview, uh, I came on your website on a page that you were a musician for many years. And the saying goes, uh, once a musician, always a musician. Do you still have time to play music? Hello, Rene. Uh, good to know you. Nice to meet yeah. you. Thank you for inviting me to have a chat. Um, yes, uh, music was my life um, since the earliest of memories. I always believed I'd be a musician, although I did many things. You know, I'd got involved in in pharmaceutics. I studied pharmacy and pharmaceutics at Wits University, and um, but during my spare time, I played music, and I always believed that the the studying was just a hobby, and the music was the real career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, and then uh, at the age of about 28, I realized that as a white South African in those days, there was a cultural boycott against white mm -hmm. South African musicians. We couldn't get signed or 
couldn't tour, couldn't play music around the world. It was very mm -hmm. difficult. And uh, although I was playing anti-apartheid music and I was an anti-establishment musician, that mm -hmm. didn't help. Somehow mm -hmm. Johnny escaped that boycott. Uh, I'm not sure how and why, but uh, but uh, then I decided at the age of 28 that you know it's pointless being a professional musician in a country where you don't have any future prospects. So mm -hmm. I got involved in other, other industries like advertising and and film and and um, record industry rather than being a musician. Yeah. So as you said, once a musician, always a musician. But I must admit, these days I don't get much time to play. Uh, whether it's the guitar or the piano, it's uh, it's difficult because there's just so much on the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we come to that. Um, so uh, music affects moods, as we all know. Um, we have all experienced music that can touch you and make you like feel dancing or getting into a romantic or meditative state or even a melancholic, uh, melancholic state. Just as music affects our mood, buildings do too. Uh, we come to that also uh, later on in the interview. Even though we may not have yet the tools for fully measure how architecture affects the health, well-being and consciousness of the people inside the building, we know intuitively that it makes sense. I can imagine that the experience as a musician with sound frequency certainly was helpful in uh, connecting the dots of your discoveries. Um, so in this podcast, I want to explore some uh, building blocks of your research and the findings about the effects of sound and frequency, and then connect them into a practical application, if possible, uh, in Ubuntu University campus and school. So try to... Uh, make a mix uh, from a different uh, angle. Uh, we know that, uh, or not, but uh, certainly it was, that Albert Einstein pointed already in the direction that the uh, material realm is all energy, uh, sound frequency, um, by using his quote, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. And field you could exchange for energy and particle you could exchange for matter. So you could say that the invisible is shaping the visible in a way. And uh, quantum physics defined the energy field as invisible moving forces that influences the physical world. So the same definition uh, and then all in invisible fields are measured by the effects because yeah, still it's difficult to uh, describe what energy really is. Uh, effects we certainly can measure. So in that way, the same definition applies then also for spirituality and consciousness, because it has an effect and we can measure the effect. Um, you call sound the source of all creation. That was uh, one of the trigger points why we have this uh, interview. Uh, can creation then also be influenced or manipulated by sound? What's your take on this? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned a few uh, golden nuggets and trigger points and and little little green buttons for me to to go down many rabbit holes here. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, if you if you look at uh, all ancient civilizations, all the ancient knowledge, uh, they all talk about the source of, of creation was all the sound of the creator that it was the sound or the resonance of the creator that brought forth the universe and everything in it. 
including light. This is really important. Sometimes people miss this, and scientists often miss this, that you can't have light without resonance, without sound. Sound is the primordial source of creation. Even in the, even in the and when I say sound, I mean resonance. We experience resonance and frequency as sound in this dimension, in this density that we find ourselves in on, on planet Earth. So we call it sound, but in essence, it's a res the source of resonance. Max Planck called it consciousness. What you, you, you spoke about Albert Einstein, but Max Planck for me played even a bigger role in, in this um, harnessing or making us realize that uh, according to him, consciousness is the fundamental source of everything, that you can't get behind consciousness. Even his, his quantum leap uh, discovery of, of subatomic particles was based on the fact that it is driven by consciousness. Now that was not necessarily shared by the academic establishment because that would have brought spirituality too close to the mainstream science and quantum mechanics of the day and they didn't want to mix the two. In fact, during that time, they were trying to separate spirituality and religion from the physical world, which is just an insane idea because in creation, everything is connected. You can't separate things because you don't like the look of this and, don't, and try and separate that. And that's what much of humanity spends uh, a lot of the time doing especially those who manipulate the, we, the way we think and, and, and program our minds with subtle programming skills that we know are very, very powerful. So yes, the sound and so sound is the source of everything. Uh, every from the Bible, you know, it says the spirit of God moved over the waters and, and then God said, let there be light. Pay attention to that sequence of events. It is a crack course in quantum mechanics and I wish all particle physicists and quantum mechanics experts would read that and actually try and interpret what that means. And they can watch some of my lectures on YouTube and I'll explain it to them very, very quickly and very clearly if they're still missing the point. Great. Um, I heard you also telling about, or maybe we are going down a little bit more into depth, um, that how um, sound and magnetism are uh, interconnected. Uh, can you say something yeah. about that? Uh... Yes, well, but there seems to be a natural progression, a sequence of events. How sound creates magnetic fields. And, uh, and you can see this in the natural shape of the manifestation of toroidal fields. The, how sound, when sound and resonance is created, it automatically manifests in the shape of a toroidal field, a, a wonderful torus, from from toruses the size of galaxies and supercluster galaxies to subatomic particles, electrons, everything is a torus and a toroidal field. And those toroidal fields uh, are actually tiny little magnetic fields, perfectly balanced magnetic toruses. And then because when magnetic fields move, which we know they move because sound doesn't stand still, sound always moves. Resonance is a source. It comes from somewhere, that field of inexplicable consciousness or the creator of all things, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever you want to call it, um, that, that original source of resonance then creates these toroidal fields, which then turn into magnetic fields of sound and magnetism. And when magnetic fields move, they create electromagnetic fields. So in that one crash course of recognition of how, how consciousness creates resonance, how, and that creates, um, and that creates um, sound and magnetic fields and light, you read that, you know, spirit of God moved over the waters and God said, let there be light. So in that little statement, we have a crash course in the physical manifestation of physical form out of the ether, 
if you want to call it that. So yes, sound, magnetism, and electro electromagnetism are inextricably connected. Okay. Um, so you could say that um, uh, geometry is actually a, a visible form of sound uh, vibration. And Absolutely. Yeah. All the, if you look at all the platonic shapes, if you look at all the natural shape or so-called sacred geometry, sacred geometry is, you know, some people, when they hear the word sacred geometry, they think, oh, it's some spiritual mumbo jumbo nonsense. No, this is the fundamental stuff, the fundamental building blocks of everything in creation, the seen and the unseen. Mm -hmm. So sacred geometry are the fractals, the natural fractals that form out of the toroidal fields and give us this incredible vision once it becomes visible to us in the physical spectrum and tactile in the in the spectrum that we can feel um, because that's another very important combination the fact that we can feel it and see it and hear it and experience it must be in a certain frequency and a certain dimension for us to experience so all of those frequencies are part of the sacred geometric pattern of life mm -hmm. so you could say that um speaking with uh, the German writer Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, that uh, therefore buildings are in a way frozen music, like what he said, architecture is frozen music. And then we are coming back to the main theme, uh, frequency yes. and sound. Um, yes. Um, and this is why, actually, René, why, why some buildings can make you sick. Yes. Some structures can make you sick and some structures can help to heal you. Yes. Like you, know, you may have picked up from some of my research uh, on my channels and on my uh, videos is that the the ancient structures the, the stone circles of south africa or the stone circles of southern africa these ancient structures have a healing have healing properties mm -hmm. you know we've experienced multiple healing uh, people have experienced over a 14-year period now repetitive healing experiences in the stone circles and there's mm -hmm. a very simple and clear explanation for that with mainstream science and physics, not mumbo jumbo nonsense, you can explain why and how those stone circles actually bring forth and elicit healing in our bodies. And some buildings do exactly the opposite. That is a, a beautiful bridge to my uh, next uh, topic. Um, Good. <laughs> that um, our outer environment, uh, so we have an inner environment uh, in this uh, container. And the outer environment uh, consists for me about uh, three things, physical, the mortar and the bricks, the digital world, because you have digital workplace nowadays, uh, and the social environment. So how we are uh, interacting with each other, uh, because also we are energy devices and, and uh, radiating an etheric field and uh, commingling with each other. So it was not only uh, Albert Einstein and Max Planck, what you said, but also Nikola Tesla, that uh, everything is energy and frequency. And it should therefore be possible to introduce a vibration that acts like a tuning fork. Uh, that centers the uh, cacophony of uh, frequency of the built environment, the electromagnetic smog of modern technology and the etheric fields of humans and balance them all into harmony again just like a music symphony. Uh, because all these frequencies are resonating and amplifying each other, there should therefore be uh, um, researched uh, and looked at in a holistic way because it's all uh, uh, mixed. 
So as a former musician yourself, and with the discoveries you made about resonance, um, can you elaborate a little bit on this? Yes, this is what you said there is critical to a deeper understanding and a comprehension of the interconnectedness of everything and how us, our bodies with the trillions of cells in our bodies, the organs that are made up of all these trillions of cells, the differentiation of the cells from the stem cells into the eye cells and the stomach cells and the heart cells and the brain cells and the blood cells and the, the hundreds of millions and then the trillions of cells in our bodies how they all resonate a specific frequency. So everything in existence, everything in creation has its own prime resonance frequency at which it exists from smallest subatomic particles to cells, to molecules, to organs, to our bodies, to your brain, to your heart. Everything has a prime resonance frequency that make up the, 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 the particles that make it up, the molecules that make it up, and then the organ, and then the organs together that make up the body. So, and all those, all those frequencies, all those uh, particles and the molecules and that, that are driven by their prime resonance frequencies have to resonate together, have to vibrate together in coherent, resonant, harmonic resonance. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, in dissonance, they're in dis-ease. Dis-ease mm-hmm. means disease. So we get sick. So if we don't resonate naturally with the environment around us, that means our bodies are constantly under attack and our cells, our organs and our bodies are being destroyed and are constantly in a battle against the frequencies from around us, the electro smog, the the cell phone, the computer, the TV, the cell phone towers, all all those frequencies are not good for us. They destroy our cells, they destroy our organs, destroy our brains, and they destroy our capacity to think and to operate and they kill us. So like you said, like a, like, a, uh, like a symphony, when an orchestra plays together in harmony or a band plays together beautiful harmonious chords, you can feel the relief and everything is beautiful and flows. The moment you add the discords, the dissonant notes, the chords that destroy things, you can feel it and it's used in music. You know, uh, composers that write the scores for the great musical, uh, for the great movies that we've seen, they are masters of using sound and blending harmonies and, 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 and resonant frequencies and discords to make you feel stress, anxiety, and fear, and so forth. And then it's also the tempo and the vibration together with the, yeah. with the harmonics and the dissonance of the, the musical notes, as opposed to the resonance and the coherence and the harmony of the notes. So just like in a musical orchestra and a, and a band that plays beautiful music, the world, our lives, our bodies, and the world around us should all be harmonious, should always resonate and be harmonious, coherent, harm, harmony, harmonious resonance. The moment you have any kind of dissonant frequencies that destroy that harmony, you create dis-ease or disease. So, you know, whenever you feel, keep in th- think about this, in our language, you people use, oh, you know, I, I went to a party, I walked into the party, but I didn't stay long because there was a bad vibe. What does vibe mean? Vibe means vibration. So you, you pick up the bad vibrations. You feel it. Your body feels it and your cells and your mind and says, no, I don't like this vibe. I don't like the vibration in this room. So you leave. And otherwise, oh, there was such a great vibe because the vibrations were harmonious with your body, harmonious with your thoughts, harmonious with your cells and your organs, and you felt good. 
And this is what happens to people when they listen to beautiful music and specifically music that resonates with their specific vibration. And this is why different people like different songs and different music, because it's, it has a specific vibration that somehow connects to your physical makeup. This is a beautiful story. So everything in creation around us, everything we experience needs to be an integrated, infinite fractal of harmonic, coherent resonance. If it's anything else, it becomes destructive and it destroys us and the environment around us. Yeah, that uh, is uh, the nail on his head, as we say. Um, that when there is, just like in, um, in sound, you can cancel sound out. So when there is a disharmonic uh, frequency in a uh, building, and that's my topic, um, can we uh, bring in something to cancel it out or to, uh, or to bring in a uh, tuning fork to bring it back into a, 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 a better frequency, a better resonance with the rest? Uh, and um, Yes. You know, there's, a, there's actually in, in music, I remember when I was still playing in bands in the early 80s uh, and we would, we would play a gig in a room. Um, the first thing that we would do is we'd bring in the special equipment and, uh, and the sound engineer that was a, a master in doing this and it would put out a white noise with all these uh, hundreds of millions of frequencies, this white noise, uh, aud obviously audible frequencies. So it's not millions, but hundreds of thousands of frequencies of, of white noise. And that, 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 that instrument would that then pick up the dead spots and the acoustic spots and the live spots in the room and then structure the, uh, the graphic equalizer in a way to neutralize those dead spots and those live spots so that we set the, the, the PA and the microphones so that it has the best, uh, the best frequencies for that specific room and that some of the dead spots and the live spots don't either suck and kill some of the frequencies that come out of the band off the stage or amplify them so much that they create feedback and, and actually make it unpleasant for people to hear. So it, it's something that I don't know if they still do it today, but we certainly did this in the early 80s. We would do it all the time. So that just shows you how even in a music event, you go and recognize the, the room, measure the, the sound frequencies in the room, and then structure your sound and your and your amp, your, your PA system, so that the people have the best possible audio experience in that room. And the same would be for, 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 for houses. And so if you walk into a house or an office and there's acoustics slapping around from the ceiling, from the, from the walls, those acoustic places are very disturbing. They're really bad for people. Uh, like, like often you get that at, at big, you know, uh, town halls and stations and big mm. public places with a lot of flat stone surfaces mm -hmm. that that bounce back all the sound. It, drive, it can drive you crazy, man. <laughs> exactly. So bring it to a higher level, uh, even that uh, when that is possible with uh, audible sound uh, that you are talking about, uh, music played, uh, then I think it is also possible when you know the source code of um, materials and people. Yes. Um, yes. So I can imagine that you can create a more healing environment in an hospital, for instance, when you, yes. when you harmonize the frequencies, not only sound, but all the frequencies. Uh, yes. And the same can go for university, that you create an, an uh, atmosphere 
where people more resonate in being curious or concentrated or exchanging ideas. Uh, yes. You, so yeah, yeah, that principle used. That principle is also used by the industrial military complex and the secret government agencies to create mind control frequencies that that allow them to create mind control. Literally, absolute one hundred percent mind control to insert certain ideas and certain images into people's minds. Uh, experiments like this have been done over and over again with mind control experiments and, and making people buy certain products before they buy some another product. I mean, they've done these experiments, I think, in Germany and probably many other countries. Uh, so th they're using sound frequencies and inaudible frequencies. Now, this is outside the you know, uh, hundreds to, to 20,000 hertz. Mm -hmm. um, the audio frequency that we can hear. This is outside our order, audible spectrum, so we can't hear those frequencies, but they affect the way we think, they affect our cells, they affect our organs, our bodies, and our brain, and our neurons in our brain to make us reach certain decisions and conclusions that you normally wouldn't do. Yeah. So mind manipulation is an absolute tool that is used through manipulation of sound resonance and frequency. Obviously, those that work with the Tesla knew about it, and many other people are aware of this. But the other, the other important thing that I want to bring back as well is, um, is that I just want to come back a little bit to, uh, if you look at our bodies, I often use the example of our bodies, uh, a healthy state in your body should really be used as an example for a healthy state of our community. And uh, you mentioned that I, you know, I launched the Ubuntu Liberation Movement and the whole principle of one small town can change the world is what, what we are now driving very strongly to take small towns and convert them into places of abundance and prosperity so that everybody benefits from everything we do collectively as people of that town. Isn't that what we should be doing, like the cells and the organs in our body, all working together for the benefit of the whole body of, of cells and organs, right? The community of cells, which we call our body. So our bodies should always be very good examples how if we work together, as individuals for the benefit of the community, our town, like the cells work for the benefit of our bodies, we will have prosperity and abundance. The moment there's disharmony in our town, the moment the people compete against each other, the moment people, they, they try and undermine each other and, and all that, the moment we do that in our communities, we have dissonance, we have disharmony, and we have a collapse of our economies. So that tells us that whatever social economic system we're using right now does not work because it breaks down the harmonious uh, resonance and, and prosperity potential of cooperation and coherence when the people of communities work together. Exactly. Again, a nice bridge uh, for um, a, uh, another uh, angle. That uh, and, and, you, and you mentioned already uh, source of energy and healing. That is the sound frequency. So according to new science, uh, we humans are not uh, physical entities, but energy waves of interacting frequency that can affect the conditions of our body. Uh, and our waves get entangled and resonate with those of the physical, digital environment and the people in there. One could say that is a cocktail of environmental frequency mixed with vibrating human thoughts and emotions. Uh, and uh, yeah, we mentioned already uh, the analogy with uh, an orchestra. 
a musical symphony that is important that all the instruments are uh, tuned and balanced, playing at the right in, in intensity and duration and all in sync. And so must be the environment, the outer environment, that um, is uh, equally important that all these components are in sync. Uh, and especially when we know uh, the source code of the frequency and the studies that uh, I forgot the name that somebody uh, found out the frequency to cancel certain forms of cancer. Um, just cancel. Either by Royal, Royal Raymond Rife. Yes, yes. Royal uh, Raymond Rife, yes. Already in 1931, I mean, he was declared the man who found the cure for all disease. He was a celebrated guy. And then the Medical, in Medical Association of America discovered, oh my God, this guy's going to destroy our, our profit margins. He's going to destroy yeah. our pharmaceutical industry because he's going to cure all disease. So they completely destroyed Royal Raymond Rife, you know. Uh, and there's, there are others. There's not just Rife. There are many others that have that have found the cures for disease through resonance, sound, and frequency. And we can talk. We can come back to this because this is a huge, obviously, a huge discussion and a huge topic. Because we can cure all disease. And I, when I say yeah. all disease, I mean all disease. Yeah. And I speak from experience. Yeah. Mm. We can make people that are quadriplegics. We can make them walk. We can. Mm grow limbs, we can regrow any organ in your body, all with sound resonance and frequency and the combination of stem cells, we can cure all disease. Mm -hmm. If anybody's still this, get this into your brain right now. Yeah, again, that is another way of saying that uh, how important it is that um, the built environment where we are 60, 70, uh, maybe 80% of our time, we are in a, in a building. And as you um, uh, uh, discovered and also proved that uh, those buildings are, uh, or those stones have a memory. And so you can uh, charge them just like your uh, USB stick uh, with a sound or a frequency uh, to work as a tuning fork uh, so that uh, you get a reset when you are out of balance by uh, mind control things or uh, 5G or uh, an angry neighbor. Um, so are there already things that you uh, discovered in the, um, the artifacts that it is pointing in a direction that we can re-engineer it and, and bring it in our built environment? Um, yes, I believe everything can be re-engineered and brought into our own environment. It's like you know, the, 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 the tuning uh, of, of musical instruments today is 440. Uh, where it, when you tune, tune musical instruments to 432 four hertz uh, as the central um, frequency um, upon which all the others are, are built, then suddenly you start getting uh, frequencies that, that are played by the instruments that are in tune with, with, uh, with sacred geometry. And that is very important. For, for those that don't know, there's a great little documentary called Sonic Geometry, uh, if you haven't seen that yet, I'd really highly recommend um, uh, that you watch it. Sonic Geometry. Um, it's on YouTube. It's it's my friend in in Laguna Beach in Los in in California, uh, who made this remarkable discovery based on some of the things that I discussed with him. And then he went off and and made this beautiful documentary of his discoveries, which shows you how the universe sings in the key of F sharp. That's it's quite bizarre and how everything seems to be structured around the F sharp frequency. It's just bizarre uh, how all the sacred geometric patterns. So the universe sings in harmony, in coherent resonant harmony. Mm -hmm. um, 
and um, where was I going with this? So the buildings, yeah, the buildings, what I found is um, <coughs> for people that don't know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> people that don't know my work and they don't know the stone circle ruins of South Africa uh, or Southern Africa, these are all circular stone structures. They're all connected to each other with these channels that actually energy channels, they share the energy. Each stone circle generates uh, energy. Uh, the walls are very unique. Every stone circle is completely unique. There are no two that look the same. And every stone circle is actually a representation of the sound frequency that comes out of the earth at that specific point. So it is the cymatic pattern or the cymatic shape. Uh, your, your viewers will probably know what cymatics means. So cymatic, the study of sound and how sound manifests into physical form. So every stone circle is actually a representation of the cymatic pattern of the sound frequency coming out of the earth at that specific place. So the walls are placed on where the sound would create, like when you put sand on a metal plate and you put the sound frequencies through it, you see these beautiful shapes. Well, this is just on a much larger scale using stones rather than sand. And uh, so this tells us that we're dealing with very low frequencies and most likely frequencies that are close to the Schumann resonance and other frequencies that are harmonious and coherent with the Schumann resonance. So what you, as in essence, what you have with the stone circles of South Africa is they generate energy by amplifying the natural sound of the earth. And by amplifying the natural frequencies of mother earth, the good frequencies, the moment you go in there, the trillions of cells in your body start to vibrate with those frequencies that are amplified by the walls in the stone circle ruins, whether you know it or not. So whether you know it or not, you're being healed. You're becoming, you're coming into coherence with the natural good frequencies of the earth. And this is why the longer you stay there, the more it'll resonate and vibrate in harmonious coherence and the, the more you will heal. And this is why we've had repetitive and ongoing people's experiences of healing and being healed and cured of all kinds of disease. The most extreme curing or healing that we've experienced was a woman from Vermont, USA, that was cured of cancer. And this just blew my mind. I didn't know about it until about two years after it happened, when she came to me in Vermont and said, look, I've come back to tell you, thank you for saving my life. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, when we came on a tour of tour of the stone circles of Southern Africa with you, what we call the sacred, sacred sites tours, I had full-blown cancer and I thought I was going to die. And then she went back to Vermont and she went back to the doctor and the doctor said, what have you been doing? She said, well, I went on a tour of these ancient ruins in South Africa. And the doctor said, well, do more of it because your cancer is receding. So she came back next year. And then after a tour of, of the stone circles, again, Adam Scalander, Great Zimbabwe, which is very powerful. And we must also come back and talk about the negative ions because all these frequencies also increase the concentration of negative ions, which are critical. Please, let's come back to this. So, um, so she went back to, to Vermont and her cancer was gone. So a year later, she came to meet me when I was doing a lecture there. And she said, I want to thank you for saving my life. You know? And so all these things happen around us. We're not always aware of them because they happen at frequencies that we don't, we are not open to feeling those frequencies. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know that there are people, very sensitive people, mm -hmm. empathic, and uh, people that feel very subtle energies that can walk into these places and they suddenly, they 
feel the energy and they freak out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know these people. And in mainstream uh, sort of society, those people are often looked at as crazy and weird because we don't understand what the hell they're talking about because you can't feel pain. If somebody is experiencing pain, you don't know what they're experiencing. So you think they, they must be crazy. But this is what they're feeling. They feel the energies, but they can't explain it to the others around them. So this is all very important to realize. And I believe, I truly believe that as we grow in consciousness, as our DNA is becoming reactivated, and that feedback mechanism, the higher the levels of consciousness we attain, the more it feedbacks and activates more parts of our DNA that makes us more conscious, more sensitive, gives us more abilities to manipulate, use our minds, to control matter, to control the things around us. So I believe we're growing into fully evolved beings by reactivating our DNA ourselves through levels of consciousness that will make us one with God, that will make us Im immensely powerful beings that can manipulate and move things with our eyes and our and uh, and our thoughts because after all our eyes and our thoughts are powerful tools and our eyes are like laser beam generating machines with with cone shaped tools and toroidal fields built into our eyes but we can come back to that <laughs> indeed maybe now we are on the topic the, the negative irons uh, that we uh, cover it now yes can you say something? Yeah, maybe? look, negative ions is a huge thing, especially now with the, the whole scare of COVID. This virus is going to kill everybody. You know, mm -hmm. please be pay attention. We we live in an ocean of viruses. There are viruses and bacteria and mycelium and fungus everywhere. It is the stuff that makes up our world. If it wasn't for viruses, bacteria, and fungus, we could not exist. Mm -hmm. Our body, our guts, our mouths are filled with millions of bacteria and millions of viruses all the time. So we know what, what viruses are, we understand them. So there are very smart people that don't have great plans for humanity that are using viruses to do us harm. So clearly somebody manipulated this virus and I'm not gonna go into that, but we're dealing with viruses. So negative ions, uh, this has been shown many times already, negative ions, both negative and positive ions, but negative ions seem to be the focal point here. They destroy viruses instantly. Viruses cannot exist in a negative iron-rich environment. Now, in the nature around us, negative ions are being generated through natural flow of nature, through the, through the process of, of, of oxidization, through the way that, that, that plants work with carbon dioxide and oxygen and the flow of monoatomic elements through the roots, through the bark, through the trees being released. This is a constant flow of elements and also monoatomic elements, which many people are not aware of. Um, and so the negative ions in nature are, are much higher than they are inside your home, for example. So inside your house, you are in a negative iron um, poor environment. And negative ions, like I said, kill viruses instantly. They can, viruses cannot, cannot be anywhere in a, um, where negative ions are high concentration. And we see this in nature, for example, the highest concentrations of negative ions in nature seem to be near waterfalls mm. and, and so natural forests and waterfalls where that combines, that is generally the highest concentration of negative ions in nature. And you see because of the natural process of the plants and the trees together with the water creates this negative ion. So it's a very healthy environment. And that's why people are drawn to these kind of places because it makes them feel good. 
They don't know why it makes them feel good. Now you'll understand. Next time you go go to a waterfall and there's a natural forest around you and you feel so good, you understand why you feel so good. It's not just the negative ions, but it's also the sound frequencies that are associated with that. The vibrational frequencies that make up those negative ions, the sound of the falling water, the water falling into the water. These are all frequencies that are generated around us. And so you are in a bath of good frequencies that then give you the negative ions that kill the, the pathogens around you and keep you healthy. It's just such a simple concept for anyone to grasp. So this this, this mainstream medicine and mainstream physics that constantly tries to build building blocks and the reductionist physics idea that we have to break things down and to, to see the, the, make, the, the parts that make it up and then we'll understand it. That is an insane idea. You can't break down a liver to understand how it works if you don't understand what makes the liver, right? So, so the mainstream physics and what they call reductionist physics principles where they believe that if you break down a watch, you'll understand how it works. That doesn't work in nature. And it doesn't work in the harmonious, fundamental interconnectedness of things that make up the laws of nature around us. So the negative ions are very important. Now, the stone circles, because of the magnetic, the sound frequencies that are generated, amplified, the good sound frequencies of the earth, that then create magnetic fields in the walls and those moving magnetic fields create the electromagnetic fields. So you have the thing of God said, let there be light. That's what's going on here, right? <laughs> and, uh, and these electromagnetic fields and all the frequencies seem to, to concentrate and activate negative ions. So we measured in the stone circles, very high frequencies of negative ions, probably at least twice to five times as high as negative ions outside of the stone circles. Then at, um, at Adam's calendar, uh, one of the major sites that, that I've, I've been working with here and researching, Adam's calendar, we measured negative ions that are even higher than, than in the stone circles. Uh, um, I think around 150,000 negative ions per, is it per cubic meter or per cubic centimeter? Now I forget, it's uh, the per cubic centimeter or cubic meter. Um, and um, I should know that and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just a little thrown at the moment. Um, and then, so that's many times higher than even at, at waterfalls and, and forests. And then the highest concentration, and I did this with my friend Sam Osmanagic from the Bosnian Pyramid. And Sam is one of the smartest, wisest guys you'll ever meet. I highly recommend you have a conversation with him as well. He knows, he knows more about pyramids than any other living, breathing human being today. He has been to every pyramid you can imagine, to pyramids that you don't even know exist, to the Chinese pyramids. He's one of the few people probably alive that has been to the Chinese pyramids. So, uh, and he's an incredibly scientific minded guy. And he's been measuring the negative iron content in the Bosnian tunnels, the tunnels that lead up to the Bosnian pyramid. And there the negative iron content is incredibly high as well. But it's even higher at Adam's calendar. And when we got to Great Zimbabwe, Around the conical tower, it's a giant cone-shaped tool, right? So I'm now giving some secrets away here. Mm. So the conical tower inside Great Zimbabwe, because Great Zimbabwe is a machine, just like all the stone circles and all these ancient sites, ancient machines that generate sound, resonance, and frequency. Around that conical tower, he measured over 400,000, concentration of more than 400,000 negative ions, the highest concentration 
ever, that he's ever measured anywhere on earth. It is insane. So the amount of healing that happens there is unimaginable. Um, coming back to uh, uh, energy signatures uh, of portals and power spots that you're talking about now. Uh, uh, as we know, humans also has, uh, have uh, vibratory uh, energy signatures. So is it then in a way that you, that you need to have the right level of consciousness to resonate with that high level? Or is it working anyway? Uh, so suppose when you are not in, in sync, uh, maybe it is not resonating or less resonating than it should be or could be. Uh, yeah, look, this, this frequency thing is really fascinating. I sometimes call it the cosmic apartheid. Uh, <laughs> really, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, I, I really, I call it the cosmic apartheid. And in nature around us, you can't, you know, in frequencies, it's literally frequency. You can't watch BBC One if you're tuned to BBC Two. Yeah, you can yeah. try as much as you, you can, you can sit there and want to watch BBC One, but you're not going to see BBC One because you're tuned to BBC Two frequency. So if you translate that thought to levels of consciousness, so you, if you are this level of consciousness and this person is at that level of consciousness, you can try and explain things to each other, but it's just not going to match. Mm. So levels of consciousness is in a way, some sort of a, a, a cosmic way of structuring natural, harmonious, resonant order. If you have people of the same consciousness talking to each other, there will always be understanding. There will always be comprehension and, and cooperation and complete harmony. The moment you have people of different consciousness then there's conflict and 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 war and 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 violence, and this is what is happening in the world. You know, the global elite are masters at creating at creating uh, divide and conquer principles and divide and conquer principles based on people's religions, belief systems, economic status, uh, origins, the way you live, and so forth, and building fear and making us fearful of those people over there and all that. You know, we're all just bloody ordinary people. All we want is a beautiful life, having a beautiful world, having a nice family, having beautiful friends, and living a beautiful life. And everybody wants the same thing. And the fact that we have war and conflict is not by the people. Wars are started by governments and, and, and prime ministers and presidents, not by the people. And, and this is just, you know, just keep this in mind. We're being manipulated into situations and conflict through propaganda, through disinformation, through sharing frequencies that make us angry, where we don't connect with others, and where we most often it's a fear-based tactic, where we start to fear somebody and somebody is going to do us harm. You can see it happening right now. You know, this whole thing of China is now a threat to USA. They're building up the fear thing. They're using the media as a propaganda to create these conflict situations. When people are in the same level of consciousness, there is no possibility of conflict. It's when it slips out of consciousness. Mm. And that example that I gave you, if you want to, you know, if you're watching one TV channel, you can't watch another TV channel on that same frequency. You have to get in alignment to watch that to to be in the same on the same vibe, <laughs> on no, the I same think, vibration level. Yeah, I think you uh, touch a uh, very important point here that uh, you mentioned already: mind control 
marketing techniques, um, the fear-based porn that we are uh, programmed with uh, when we watch the mainstream uh, media. Um, but then it works also the other way around. So yeah. we can use the same tools, but uh, uh, sending the right frequencies or correcting frequency or tuning fork, as we were talking about, um, and there, the built environment, because we are, uh, yeah, as I said, 70, 80% of time we are inside, uh, can uh, play a huge role when we leave the TV out. <laughs> because then you get the wrong information uh, in. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, not dive too, too deep into this. Uh, uh, so we talked about, yeah, you have to have a right, a, a certain level of consciousness to, to connect and, um, are you aware that already? Uh, I, I, I also wonder, uh, sorry, if I may just, Renee, just add, yeah, because your question was sort of, are we growing into that consciousness? I believe we are. So I believe we are all constantly evolving in our levels of consciousness. It's unavoidable. You, you can't mm -hmm. stop it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you the people that live in nature, the, the very basic people, the people that live close to Mother Earth, close to growing food and close to nature, away from the cities, away from TV, away from those people are very basic, very down-to-earth people. And they have an innate internal knowledge that when you tell them something that is truthful, they immediately get it. They resonate with it. And, and you find this very quickly. That's why when you travel in small towns and in, in rural areas and you come with a good heart and, and, and openness to the small towns and small villages, people have nothing, but they'll give you the shirt off their back. They'll give you the last bit of food. They'll let you sleep in, in their bed. They'll make you feel like a, like a special guest in their house. And they have nothing. These yeah. are the poorest people that live close to, to Mother Earth that will share everything with you. While the opposite is true in the, in the cities, the big cities of the world, you know, we don't trust anyone, you know, be scared of everyone and so forth. So you see the dissonance and how we've been separated and divided. And, and, and um I believe that our consciousness is evolving all the time. And keep in mind that the DNA is really the program. The DNA is a program. It's a code, molecular code, made up of a bunch of molecules, uh, rubber, dioxyribonucleic acid molecules that make up the program code for what makes up our physical bodies. It's really that simple. And you can program code in any possible way you want if you know how to program that code. It's like a computer. It's a very advanced computer that can create. Remember that the DNA has the capacity to create stem cells. I mean, it's, it's insane. And the stem cells then turn into any other cell in your body. So the, the power of the DNA is almost infinite. Mm -hmm. I would say, I would say infinite, but it's probably not. It's, it's almost infinite. Um, and so as we think good thoughts and positive thoughts, and any thoughts, those thoughts go into every cell of your body. It goes into every atom of your body. It goes into every DNA uh, molecular structure of your body, every DNA strand of your body in the nucleus of every cell. And those thoughts activate and affect the DNA, those frequencies of your thoughts. So if you're thinking negative thoughts all the time, your DNA is programmed and, and starts to vibrate with negative stuff. And the cells are programmed like that. If you think of harmonious and positive and abundance and prosperity for everybody, your then your body then and your DNA starts to get programmed with that kind of thinking. 
So the more we think about a beautiful world, a future world of prosperity and abundance, peace, harmony uh, for everyone, the more we become those beings. And this is why the global elite or the cabal, whatever you want to call them, they understand this, they know this. And this is why they use the television as the number one propaganda tool to constantly fill us with fear. Fear of so many things, fear of death, fear of cancer, fear of disease, fear of your neighbor, fear of China, fear of this, fear of Germany, fear of Russia. God, we got to fear bloody everything, right? Because if they fill us with fear, then we it suppresses yes. the reactivation of our DNA and we live in this constant state of fear. So we don't, our levels of consciousness do not elevate, which mm. should be happening automatically. So the promotion of the frequency of fear is one of the primary tools to use frequency as a tool of manipulation and control of the human race. Again, then we should counteract that with uh, using the right frequency to uh, at least stop dumbing us uh, and, and take, the, take the pressure away. Um, okay, let me uh, see what have we more. Um, several things we touched already on. Um, Let's go to uh, Ubuntu. Um, architect Buckman Safula had, uh, has a nice quote that matches perfectly with your initiative. You never change things by fighting the existing reality. You change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. So that's exactly what you are doing. And, uh, and then another one from Vincent Churchill, uh, who made the connection between architecture and human behavior in his famous quote, we shape our buildings, thereafter they shape us. As you were telling about the ruins that when you go inside, something happens with you uh, because of the structure there. Yeah. And um, you would expect that the universities are the most open-minded environments for change because uh, the core business is doing research to explain the unknown, uh, although I know better. I believe that the real scientists want to explore the unknown for the betterment of humanity, because otherwise, why would you do research? Uh, so my yes. observation is that it's mainly politics and the funding restrictions that keeps them from following their the, uh, real passion. And yes. So how would a, um, how can the simple principles of Ubuntu uh, uh, bypass uh, the system and create a new re reality for humans and then maybe first in general, and then focus, how can they be applied in the university uh, environment? Because when we change the youth, those who have the youth have the future. So when they are instructed with the right thing, uh, I think we, that will help in, in the transformation we are all in at the moment. Yeah. So look, there are a few things that you mentioned here that need separate, uh, we need to address separately. Uh, first of all, the education system, mm -hmm. uh, the funding, behind funding the education system and the research laboratories and so forth. So we'll come to that. And then there's uh, how do we change that? How do we create an environment of education that actually creates bright minds for the future? And then uh, how do we create a new social structure for the world that creates prosperity and abundance for everyone? So the answer to that is already one small town. So let me jump straight to that. For anyone that's watching this, because I can't go into too much detail here, we don't have enough time, but please go to onesmalltown.org or ubuntuplanet.org, it goes to the same website, watch the videos, read all the material, and you realize how quickly and easily we can create, use small towns as the models to create uh, abundance and prosperity 
by getting the people to cooperate, collaborate for the benefit of everyone, just like the trillions of cells in our bodies cooperate and work together for the benefit of the body of cells. If we do that in our towns, if we all work together and use what I call the tools of enslavement as tools of liberation, and that's very, very important. So we don't fight the system. We don't oppose the system. We try, don't try and undermine the system because the system was created not to be undermined or to be destroyed. You will lose if you do that. So we use the current system, what we call, we use the tools of enslavement as tools of liberation, and we build a new model that makes the current system obsolete, just like Buckminster Fuller said many years ago. And, and this is what we do in the small towns. So that's our objective right now. And in those small towns, everything will start working very, very differently because that's where you promote because then the community owns everything. The community owns all the businesses. The people own all the factories, all the businesses. It's a cooperative effort. And this is why it becomes such a powerful force that can resist all the largest international corporations, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's their food producers, whether it's electricity or, or anything. Um, small towns of 10,000 people become an incredibly powerful united force. Once they unite and they start to grow and manufacture things as a unit, it is almost impossible to defeat them unless you go there and just kill everybody. That's the only way you can defeat that. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it could, but I don't think it's going to happen, right? Where the, where the authorities will send the army to kill everybody in that town because they are too successful. They're making too much money. So let's go kill them. That's ultimately what that, that could be an outcome, but hopefully not. I believe that's not going to be the outcome. So let's, and in that community, because we now invite the best minds and scientists and healers and teachers and, and, and carpenters and electrical engineers and so forth and musicians, all those people gravitate towards these kind of environments because human nature is to create. Our first human nature is to create, to be creative, to, to do something that makes us feel good, whether it's building a bed or building a bridge or baking a bread or growing seeds or writing a song or doing something. We all want to do something that makes us feel good, and that is generally to create something. The moment we start creating together, we also, keep in mind, we'll have scientists that that the same scientists that are working on the nuclear programs and working on the secret military programs that have the knowledge that is used by the military and the secret government programs against the people of the world. So we have these same scientists now in our laboratories, in our research labs that are working on the most advanced technology. I'm talking about toroidal field technology. I'm talking about cone-shaped Caesar beam technology. I'm talking about technology that most people haven't even heard of. So all this is going to be available in our small towns. So the towns will become incredibly powerful entities with science, technology, education, food growing, technology that enhances food growing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can imagine that the kind of education that we are going to promote in our town is going to be very different from the current educational structures that are in place. So now let's get to the current educational structures. But before I get there, if you're going to hire a bricklayer, who are you going to hire? You're going to hire a bricklayer that can build a house for you. Somebody that comes with a piece of paper says, I got a degree in bricklaying. Or are you going to look at a bricklayer that has built that house and you can see what that bricklayer is doing? And you know that that guy knows how to build a house. This guy's got a piece of paper that says 
he's graduated. Who are you going to hire? You're going to hire the one with the experience, not with a piece of paper, mm -hmm. right? So just giving you the, the hint as to what the current education system is all about. It's all about creating a future obedient labor force. It's got nothing to do with education and training. Education and training are two separate things. You don't have to be educated to be a good carpenter or a good baker. You know because you've, you've been taught by a master baker how to yourself be a master baker. You don't have to be educated to do that, but you can be the best baker in the world without a bloody education. So the entire current education system is fundamentally started by the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, and a bunch of banking families some 200 years ago already. It slowly but surely evolved. And, and it, it became the, the absolute tool of control and manipulating young minds, stealing 12 years of our lives, where they put us into these schools, where they indoctrinate us, they teach us all the crap we don't need to know, but with the promise that when you come out, you have a piece of paper called a certificate and with that, you can go find a job. Not that you're going to be good at something. The promise is that you're going to be able to have a job and have a good life because you can earn a lot of money. So the current education system is on the promise of a secure job in the future because of money. Can you see the trap? It's a full cycle of entrapment. It's got nothing to do with skills, skills for life, where people actually know what they're doing, how to build a bridge. When, when you have an engineer that you might have studied engineering at university, but when you come out, you still have to go and be an, uh, an appy to do an internship with the guys that know how to build bridges. You, they're not just going to let you go and build a bridge. No way. That's never going to happen. Even doctors. Doctors come out of medical school. I did the same in pharmaceutics. I came out of pharmaceutics. I had to go and work manufacturing pharmaceutical drugs to learn how to do it. You have a piece of paper. It doesn't mean you know how to do it. So, so the entire education system right now is a nonsensical theoretical program that does not work for society. What we need to do is change that completely. Not, we don't have to fight it. Just let them carry on with what they're doing. And we create a whole new system where our bakers will be the best bakers in the world. Our engineers will be the best bridge builders and building builders. They'll, bring, they'll build feng shui buildings because it's innately built into their minds. They don't have to learn about feng shui. They'll, they'll automatically learn it from the master builders and feng shui builders that they learn from. So everything in the one small town, activation and participation is about bringing true skills for life to the children as they grow up in our community. It's not about sending them to school or university to get a degree. That's absolute nonsense. You can't get it. You can't plant seeds and know how to grow seeds with a degree. You can only grow seeds once you've learned how to make compost and how to make compost and make soil nutritious. You learn by doing it yourself, not from a book. You might have to know some of the, the subtleties, the ingredients, the content of phosphorus and nitrate and oxygen and so forth and carbon but that you still learn from hands-on experience. So our entire education system needs to be converted into a hands-on training experience with the theoretical knowledge encoded in it, but it has to be a hands-on experience. 
so that when you've finished learning what, you, what you're learning, you already are a master. At the age of 16, you could be a master bridge builder and not a kid at school that is wondering what the hell they're going to do with the rest of their life. Exactly. And maybe something about funding, you said, uh, the funding of that uh, uh, education system. Oh, the funding, yes. So keep in mind, at the moment, our universities uh, are funded by the large corporations, governments and large corporations, governments are controlled by the large corporations, we all know that, but we often forget that the universities are also funded by the large corporations. Now, who are these large corporations? These are the large electrical corporations, the pharmaceutical corporations, the, the genetical manipulation, food growing corporations like Monsanto, etc. So we have all of the, the research labs in the world, the most advanced research labs are also funded by the banking families and the banking families that own all the pharmaceutical companies and the big computer companies and the, the food growing companies and Monsanto and so forth. So their research labs are all focused on maximizing their, their profits and, and keeping their intellectual property. So if you discover a cure for cancer and you work for one of the big pharmaceutical companies, they're never going to release the, the formula for curing cancer because then they destroy their business. Cancer is worth a trillion dollars a year. The treatment of cancer, they never, they hardly, well, they never, I'm not going to say never, but they hardly ever cure anyone. 99.999% failure, but they keep promising to cure cancer. And so you can see, you know, cancer has been cured many times by Royal Raymond Drive and others like him. Mm -hmm. All to do with sound resonance and frequency tools. You know, uh, George Lakowski was another one uh, that cured cancer with, the, with a multiple wave oscillator. And there have been many others. Uh, more recently, there's a guy called Anthony Holland that showed how sound frequencies in his lab kill cancer cells. So this is a known fact. This is nothing mumbo jumbo about this. So all these big corporations fund their research labs for their own corporate gains. And those research labs become the labs that then they write the textbooks. And they only put things into the textbooks that go to the schools and universities that they will allow to go out. They'll never put out the formula for killing cancer cells. They're not going to put that in the textbooks. Mm -hmm. So you can see how completely manipulated and skewed the education system is because it's funded by the large corporations and their research laboratories that write the research papers. And those research papers are then put into the textbooks that go into our schools and universities. It's a complete chain of control to the entire education system that is controlled by the, the banking elite of the world. Ultimately, it always stops with the banking elite. Um, and if people don't know this, welcome to, welcome to the terrible truth that we have overcome. <laughs> and we overcome that very simply by starting the One Small Town initiative. One Small Town can change the world and One Small Town will change the world it's just a matter of time. And the moment we launch that first small town, it could be in Holland, it could be in South Africa, in the USA, anyway. The first time we launch that first small town that does this, where the mayor works together with the people of that small town, it could be a town of 10,000 people or 20,000 people, or even 5,000 people. And the moment that happens, that'll be the first domino that falls. And it's, and it's going to be impossible to stop that because the success of that small town is going to be so huge. And the success is going to be financial success. So the town is going to make incredible amounts of money 
through all the businesses that we set up as a community, that we own as a community, all the technology that we have as a community. So it becomes almost impossible to destroy that success. And that success will then create the domino effect to all the other towns around the world. It's, it's going to be impossible to stop that. Yeah, you, uh, in, uh, I, you watched several of your uh, lectures. You were saying it, it starts all with uh, free uh, uh, electricity, free in the sense that um, it is uh, renewable, uh, but also free at no cost or at little cost for the, for the users. Yes. Uh, and that you uh, provide that, that uh, energy device uh, for that community that wants to start. Uh, um, they get it for free or they have to pay for that device? How, how would that, how well, look, obviously the, the, the technology that we have is we have to make it, we have to build it, so it costs us money. Okay. So yes, we're going to sell it to the town, but once they bought it, then it's theirs. So once they've paid it off, okay. they've got their generator. So we provide it to the town, but once it's paid off and it's then it's their electricity. And keep in mind, once a community owns their source of electricity and yeah. it doesn't cost them anything, yeah. everybody keeps paying for electricity every month. Yeah. A town of 10,000 people and everybody pays $100 a month, that's a that's million dollars a month. Yeah. Imagine a small town that has a million dollars a month to do something. That alone should make you realize how powerful that simple model is. So the electricity, the supply of your own electricity in a small town actually becomes the initial funding mechanism to start all the different businesses and projects, the growing of food, the pure water, the restructuring of the town, to building all the, setting up all the different businesses and factories and everything that we need to make our town, you know, whether it's technology, healthcare, anything. Um, every town will be different. <laughs> And it has to be on that scale. So, so for instance, when you uh, um, pointed down that you have, uh, for instance, a, a university campus with a lot of buildings, say 300,000 square uh, uh, meters uh, building, uh, that, is, that scale is not big enough to work off the grid. No. You really have to have no, let, let's just, to work it together. Yeah, no, it has to be a town. And, and that's why, it, you know, and keep in mind, this philosophy has evolved since 2005 or mm -hmm. 2004. It's not something that, that I came up with last week or last year. This is a philosophy that's grown and grown and evolved and got stronger and stronger and stronger. So right now, I'm still discovering new things every day. And every day we add new components, new pieces to this very strong foundation of the one small town model. So it keeps getting stronger and stronger the, the longer it takes to put it together. So by the time we eventually succeed in finding the mayor that wants to do it, and by the way, we do have a, a, a town or two in Holland, by the way, that, that the, the mayors are interested. They, they, they're, talk, they, they're making noises to talk to me about it. And I mean, I've spoken to mayors in South Africa, in the USA, in Brazil, and in the UK, in Australia, and I've spoken to mayors in more than 20 countries. So it's happening. Mayors are interested, but they're also a bit nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. So happening and it's just getting stronger and stronger and sooner or later that one spark is going to just happen and it's going to go so it needs to be a certain size now here's a, a maybe this is a good good place to finish our conversation on because it's very high and powerful and an inspiring thought the average remember we're taking our town and i'm going to use ten thousand people because it's an easy number to work with um and we're turning our town into a cooperative like a 
a cooperation, a cooperative business. Mm -hmm. So all the businesses we start belong to all the people of that town, as long as they contribute their three hours a week, right? So if 10,000 people contribute 10, 000, uh, three hours a week, you've got a town that's got 30,000 hours of labor every week, free labor, 30,000 hours of free labor a week. You have to have a lot of businesses and a lot of things going on to put those people to work. So just think about that. Now let's compare our town of 10,000 people to a corporation of 5,000 uh, employees, an international corporation of 5,000 employees. The average turnover of a corporation with 5,000 employees is about $1 billion or more per annum. What we have done by uniting our town and making it a cooperative, we're now making the potential of income for our town comparable to a, say, a corporation of 5,000 employees. So the potential of our town is to generate $1 billion or more per annum from all the businesses that we start. That's how powerful the one small town idea and model is. We become a fierce competitor to any international corporation, whether it's growing food or making computers or software or healthcare, anything. We can make and build and grow anything we choose to if it's suitable for our community because we have all this united labor force. No international corporation could possibly compete against us because our prices will be better, our products will be better because they'll be built better, they'll be built to last forever, they'll never break, or we'll build them so that they don't break. We'll go back to the days of when things were built to last forever as opposed to the way things work today. And that's the other thing that One Small Town will do. So can you imagine if you can buy a computer that comes from a One Small Town factory and you know you can buy one computer for the rest of your life? Where are you going to buy a computer from? <laughs> that means that we have now basically taken out of contention all the other laptop manufacturers around the world. Unless they do what we do, their businesses are going to die. Mm -hmm. So the One Small Town model is an incredibly powerful antidote for the decay of capitalism that, is, that capitalism has caused in the world today. And it'll turn it around. So everything will be better, stronger, faster, everlasting, curing all disease. Everything you can imagine will be in that one small town model. One more question. What uh, have been your biggest struggle or challenge bringing awareness about the Ubuntu movement? Uh, and how have you overcome them? Um, the, the biggest challenge, I guess, is funding. Funding remains a huge problem because, you know, without money, it's very difficult to run an organization. So our funding is a huge problem. So anyone that watches this and they want to support the One Small Town model, then please go onto the One Small Town website and become a patron of the One Small Town implementation plan because without funding we can't even run a proper office mm -hmm. so without offers it's difficult to coordinate people around the world and we have to coordinate people in different countries start to train them and share information with them so this all takes time money and funding and expertise so funding is definitely our number one obstacle um, secondly uh, and that also the funding also applies to the building and the manufacturing of our energy devices mm -hmm. so that's that's important thing um, and then uh, the next thing is 
people's uh, levels of consciousness. Uh, people find this and they get very, very excited. Mm -hmm. And they read a bit or they watch a little bit of a video. They get very excited and they run out and they want to tell everybody. And then they get shot down and then they feel all depressed because they haven't done their homework. Mm -hmm. You know, and it just shows you how, how desperately people want to get out of this current system because the current system is just destroying all of us. It's not mm -hmm. good for anyone. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it's important that people first watch all the videos, read the Ubuntu book, read all the material on the website, make sure that you are fully informed about the One Small Town model and how to implement it before you go out there and start to talk about it. Because I don't want people to lose their enthusiasm and to lose the spark and that energy because it is a very powerful energy. And uh, I can see how the way that it's growing, how many people around the world are just are just totally discovering it and realizing that it is the only solution that we have at the moment. Yeah. I don't know of any other solution that anyone has put on the table that is so elegant, so easy, so inclusive of everyone everywhere. It never excludes anyone. It never discriminates against anyone. It includes everybody in every community, even the people that don't want to participate in your one small town. Those that don't want to participate don't have to participate. They can carry on with their life as normal, but they will suddenly see all their friends that are participating. They'll suddenly see their friends getting electricity, food, technology, entertainment, uh, all these things that, are, that they're getting as benefits for contributing three hours a week. And they, they, other people are not participating and they'll very quickly realize that, oh my God, I can have all this if I just contribute three hours a week and actually become active participant in making our community better it's not going to take long for everybody to participate once they see the benefits coming from the that cooperative uh, labor force so those are the things funding and then the the rush to 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 tell the world so of course share the website with everybody tell everybody about the one small town strategy but send them to the website make them watch the videos don't explain it to them because unless you know it incredibly well, you may just screw it up and, and, and confuse the people. Because uh, yeah, often, often people say, oh, we're going to create communities without money. Everything's going to be free. That's the wrong. That's not how you sell the one small town model. Because mm -hmm. then people are crazy. What do you mean we're not going to have money? You're going to take all my money away? And, and people start thinking, you know, you don't want people to get the wrong ideas. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what will happen? The ultimate outcome in a one small town situation, when everything is available for us all the time, all the food we grow, all the technology, all the engineering, all the entertainment, because we're doing it for ourselves, that means we're not paying for it. So yes, ultimately everything will become free to the people of that community. But that is a realization that comes much later mm. when people realize, oh my God, I haven't paid for anything for so long. And yet every month I get money from all the businesses that are bringing in millions of dollars every month. And yet I don't have to pay for anything because we're building it and growing the food for ourselves, right? But again, keep in mind, if, if you grow food in your garden, you're not gonna charge yourself for that food because yeah. it's your food. And this is the same philosophy. So if we grow food for our community, we don't charge ourselves for that food. Yeah. When we export that food, that's where we get the money from. Mm -hmm. so build computers, we, distribute them to the members of our community, but we export them and make money from the people all over the world for our community. So 
Yes, the ultimate outcome is that everything will be free, but that is not the objective. The objective is to create a community of prosperity and abundance. And that's when people realize once everything is working and they realize that their bank account is just growing every month because they're putting more money in every month, but they don't have to use the money to buy anything. That's when people realize we don't need money. Mm -hmm. We need each other because money does nothing. People do everything. I think that is a great uh, slogan to end this uh, interview. <laughs> I thank you very much, Michael, for your time and uh, your insights and sharing this wonderful idea.